Welcome to the Gospel Center Pro-Life Podcast. In this episode, we're going to talk with a pioneer from the pro-life movement, Flip Benham, about the problem of incrementalism and trying to end abortion. This is an important topic, so please stick with us. I felt your passion, touched your heart. All right. Well, welcome to the Gospel Center Pro-Life Podcast. I have uh, with me today Flip Benham, who is a pioneer in pro-life ministry and just gospel preaching. And I wanted him to come and talk about um, sort of the the controversy, I guess, that's been in the pro-life movement, even modern abolitionist movement thing, about incrementalism and immediatism, these sort of terms that maybe some people that are listening or watching have no clue what these even mean. So let's first define those terms. What is immediatism and what is incrementalism? Maybe start with incre- incrementalism first, if you if you. Well, incrementalism is simply you find it in Genesis chapter one, and and excuse me, in Genesis chapter three is where you really see it, where okay. the serpent comes up in to tempt Adam, but he's going to get to Adam through Eve. Okay. And so Adam sits back. That's what men do, and let's Eve. God had given specific instructions to. Um, to Adam, not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Yeah. And Adam understood it. And it was Adam's duty to tell that to Eve. But as Eve gets close to this tree of the knowledge of good and evil, um, there is a serpent. And that serpent begins right off the bat in Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. Did God really say? He incrementally begins to break down did God really say that? Does he really mean that? And he and, and that's how he breaks into a city. That's how he breaks into a person. That's how he breaks into a nation. Incremental steps. He slithers and he just like a python. Mm-hmm. He, he can almost hip that python almost hypnotizes. If you've ever seen that a National Geographic mm-hmm. movie where you've got a python on a tree and a monkey sitting there going, wah, wah. He's pointing, and and yet the monkey doesn't move. And the python, now this is over a period of time, Uh and and the python just slowly but surely, and then he gets around the monkey, and he kills the monkey. The monkey had could have gotten away a bazillion times but didn't because this python got and just and just slowly took him out now if you get a mongoose and you put him with a python there's a whole different story that mongoose is going out to kill that snake yeah. that's it that's just the way it is that's the battle yeah. adam should have been there he knew he knew that the, she was not to eat so so he incrementally takes things yeah. away from us so that's how do how do we So get, when we're we're talking about the issue of abortion and we're talking about incrementalism, um, sort of what you're saying is, and I think this is what people need to get, is that an incremental uh, approach to ending abortion is almost using the devil's tactics. Like it's the devil exactly comes in. Okay. that, using the tactics of the devil rather than God's Word. Okay. And so that's, and of course, you know, Gospel Center Pro-Life, the, the focus of this podcast is you know, talking about pro-life stuff, talking about abortion in light of the gospel, the truth of God's word, the impact that God's word has on a human heart, rather than our, you know, even medical facts and all this stuff, all that stuff that can be good. It's ultimately it's God's word that changes the heart. 
And and what you're saying is it's God's word that wins this battle. It's God's mm-hmm. it's obedience to to what God is saying in His word. So walk through kind of how that works and how Christians can sort of fall for that trap as far as incrementalism. I mean, you know, just practically speaking, I had a conversation well, with a Christian this morning about you know mm-hmm. is it a bad thing that legislation is passed that will limit abortions at a certain you know at a, at a certain stage. And in my mind, I'm thinking it's not a bad. I mean, if a baby's saved because they pass some incremental thing, I don't put a whole lot of thought to this. This stuff I haven't. I need to. And uh, and anyway, so so sort of correct sure. that understanding. And, and well, let, let me just go back now. So we're talking about uh, to people okay. and to and to nations. This is how the devil works. Okay. He doesn't change <clears throat> ever. Yeah. This is what he does. Slowly but surely, he begins to suck you and he begins to break down. And he starts always with, did God really say? He yeah. calls this book into question. So in 1962, we had a Supreme Court decision. I'll just give you some Supreme Court okay. decision. Yeah. 1962, Supreme Court decision called Engel versus Vital. In Engel versus Vital, it removed prayer from school. Slowly but surely. Um, in 1963, there was another Supreme Court case called Abington versus Shemp. And in that one, they removed Bible reading from school. Well, so you remove God from school. You see, slowly but surely. Yeah, well, don't do it right away. Yeah. The devil doesn't show up with horns and a pitchfork and a red you know, yeah, suit. Yeah. He's just incrementally saying, no, these things are right because isn't there a separation between church and state? And, and uses that argument, did God really say, so let's just keep that out of the public school. Well, when you remove God from the public school, when he's expelled from school, banished from the schoolyard, He's replaced with all sorts of other things. And so we get this whole breakdown of morals, and then we now we're into the 60s, and we're into free sex. We're into everything else that you could possibly imagine. And um, on January 22nd, 1973, the Supreme Court comes up with another decision called Roe versus Wade. Roe versus Wade says, well, look, if you're having sex like this, and if you're having sex like animals, you're going to have sex with anything that's warm, then... What's going to happen? Well, you're probably going to get some babies. I don't care what kind of contraceptive you use. They're probably going to be babies produced. And indeed, there were. So how do we solve this problem? Well, it tells us in, in the Bible that all who hate me love death. Yeah, That's what it says in Proverbs chapter 8, verse 36. But all who hate me love death. Death becomes the answer to everything. So if you're pregnant, um, what we what we did, the Supreme Court just opened up the door to no, now abortion. You see how the devil came in sixty one, sixty two, and we see and we see all of this stuff going on. Daniel, I'm going to have to shut this thing off. That's all right. <laughs> Man. The devil's like incrementally <laughs> interrupting our podcast. Well, here. Actually, I should know better. I should know how to operate these things, but I don't, <laughs> that's all right. So. So, uh, so we see how the devil is incrementally moving in, yeah. and and so now when people get pregnant, what you do is you kill kids. And the Supreme Court said that it was legal and it's okay. And and so now we see God's word is completely broken, and now little baby boys and girls in their mother's wombs are no longer safe from anyone that wants to kill them. It's open season, and in uh, and that companion case was Doe versus Bolton, which said now and opened it up to all nine months, so you could kill a child in all. All nine months, um, and 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 so what we have is this awful, horrible thing that now over sixty million little baby boys and girls 
are dead today. One third of the generation, 47 years old and younger, isn't here today. They've already been killed by abortion. And what does the devil do? He comes to rob, to kill, and to destroy. Abortion, before it's anything else, is preeminently a gospel issue. Now, it, it, it has ramifications in politics, but politics always follows what's going on spiritually. Our spiritual battle is this, that this enemy has come to rob, to kill, and to destroy, but Jesus has come that we might have life and have it more abundantly. And so what we're called to do is not to be the master of the state, nor its slave, we're to be the conscience of the state. Okay. And that's where we lose our way. Because you see, if you're going to get involved in the political argument of this and try to do and solve this, this horrible thing that is devastating and savaging our land, the murder of these children, if you're going to try to do that politically, then politics is the art of compromise. Now, how do you think God feels about compromising his word? Yeah, well, of course, we have in, in the word strict commands against compromising the truth of God. And uh, yeah, yeah, God we, doesn't we take it lightly. We are suffering under the subtle compromises of a liar, Satan. Yeah. And so we've got ourselves convinced that if we will incrementally, in other words, use Satan's method mm-hmm. and we'll incrementally get in so uh, uh, and begin to work politically to solve this problem, what happens is we're going to have to compromise God's word. So we come up with pieces of legislation which are well-intentioned and with really true motives to save babies. So we come up with uh, things like, all right, let's let's add the exceptions clauses yeah. to everything. So, so um uh, rape, incest, life of the mother. Yeah. That, that was the first pro-life compromise. That was way back in the beginning, and we were the ones that initiated it. So we, we, were, so we basically said, you know, so our goal we, when, when abortion was unleashed by the Supreme Court on our nation as, uh, as believers, believers rose up and said this is not right. But in rising up, instead of saying this is not right because God's Word says it's not right, and it's not right at all, no exceptions— we decided we'd go ahead and throw some exceptions in there Pretty so well. that it would be more acceptable to the world. Is that sort of the... So that we could, yes, so that we could protect life. Yeah. We, so we put these exceptions on here. So, and the devil is willing to sign off on that. He'll sign any piece of pro-life legislation that we've come up with yet, every single one, including the heartbeat bill. Okay. He'll sign it. Yeah. This, well, talk a little bit about, because, you know, when we were coming in um, earlier... And, uh, and coming down here to start recording, we talked about the, the Faustian wager, yeah. and that sort of ties into that, that whole sort of compromise and almost like making a deal with the devil. So explain that a little bit as it has to do with incrementalism and why that's a trap. And, uh, you know, some folks that are, that are listening have no clue what we're even talking about, maybe even don't even know about yeah. incrementalism or, or mediatism or any of that. But... So the Faustian wager is maybe more of a complex thing, but it's pretty simple to understand. No, right? it is. It's an old story about the devil, sometimes named Mephistopheles or what, but it's the same argument, this incremental approach. This is Mephistopheles who's coming uh, to um, to deal with Dr. Faust, and Dr. Faust is going to sell his soul to the devil so that he can have power and enlightenment. Okay. And, uh, and so Mephistopheles really tries to talk Faust out of it, but Faust ultimately gives in uh, to the devil's emissary. Now, Mephistopheles is not the devil, just one of his little minions okay. that he's got operating. And so they make this wager. Well, I now, so here's my question. This is what I ask churches. I say, well, if 
Donald Trump, who's now president, would would say to you, um, listen, I will, as far as it's up to me in the United States of America, make abortion illegal. Now, in Brownsville, Texas, there are there were several little babies that died because they were born without brain stems or something like yeah. that. They were going to die. They were going to live for only a couple of hours, at, you know, after the babies were born. And uh, and that was going on down in Brownsville, Texas. And this was back in 1992. And uh, and he said this to you. He said this. If, if you will give me those two little babies or three little babies, however many were born then, that were born without brain stems. They're only going to be here for a short period of time. If you'll give me those, I will, to the best of my ability, I am going to stop abortion in this country. I'll yeah. make laws. I'll do everything that I can. Sign executive orders, whatever is necessary. The question then becomes, would you, Daniel Parks, make that deal? Yeah, so we're talking three babies that three I would babies. just say, okay, they're valuable, but I'm willing to compromise and say, yeah, they can. They they'll just unfortunately have to die, and then potentially we can save so many thousands, hundreds right. of thousands, of millions more. That's a yeah. I mean, what would you, you do? I mean, that, what does your own flesh tell you? Yeah, you would I mean, do? my flesh says okay. It's it's yeah, well, maybe what, a good maybe a good what trade. What does your church say you do? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I would like to think that my church because again, I'm I'm going to look at this. My flesh certainly okay. wants to rise up and take okay. over and 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 make this decision. But I know what God's word says, and I know ultimately. That me making a wager with this, with the uh, with the president or with the Supreme Court is not what's going to end abortion. It's going to be God. So I'm gonna I'm gonna appeal to the Lord and say it's not my choice to make. So you mean to tell me, and you would tell all of those of the girls that are down at the abortion mill right today, you would tell them all that I, Daniel Parks, am not going to make that deal, and all the babies that are coming in here today could be saved. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because ultimately, again, I'm not leaning. You know, the Bible. Speaks well, against well, leaning on the arm of the flesh. Well, I think you put it in the hands of the Lord ultimately, right? Well, and you uh, and you uh, stand strong on God's word. I mean, it's not an easy, <laughs> not an easy question to to ask your, or to answer. What would your wife Courtney say? Yeah, I mean, what I think would she say? I think I would like to think she would let me lead in that area. <laughs> she would let me continue well, to wear she, the pants. <laughs> she might, but she'd say, "Daniel, you're a real idiot." That's what. Yeah, no, I'm sure. You, you, you can't really do this. I mean, yeah. to save millions. I mean, doesn't it make sense? It makes absolute perfect. Well, so sense. I mean, I guess. So in my mind, I'm thinking. Number one, I don't trust a thing that Donald Trump says that he's going to do. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. Gonna do, right. Good, I mean, I don't trust point. politicians. Yep. I don't trust. You know, if well, let's say a, you could. Let's say let's, you let's could. Let's say I could. Um, yeah, I think. I mean, it boils down to it's not my um, it's not my choice to determine whether or not someone lives Whose or someone choice dies. Choice is it? I mean, to the mothers that are making the decision to have an abortion, it's their choice to kill their child. Yes, but whose choice is this decision? It's yeah. yours. I mean, I guess if it's laid at my doorstep, yeah, it's mine. And you would say no to that, right? I would say absolutely no, just standing absolutely on God's no. word. <laughs> and and so every single person that you know, your friends, your mom and dad probably, unless people really have thought this thing through theologically, would say, you are an idiot. Yeah, I mean, I might you even think I'm an idiot. <laughs> yeah, you can't. I mean, ask Jason Jimenez. You had him here. Uh -huh. I'll tell you, I know what he's going to say. Yeah. And it would probably surprise you. Maybe, Maybe not. Yeah. But the, but the fact of the matter is that ask David and Jason Benham that. Okay. That'd ask, be a ask good your boys. They yeah, were, ask hey, them. they should ask answer them. rightly, right? Because because I, I believe me.
Uh, this, when we understand the ramifications of this battle and how it will be fought and how it must be won, we cannot. We have got to trust in the Lord with all of our heart, not trust our heart. Yeah, we're not, we're not to follow our heart. Our hearts are going to lie to us, just yeah. like they're going to lie to probably everybody that's out there right now listening to you and me. Yeah. And they're saying, "You take the deal." Yeah. The problem is, God never gave you the moral authority. To make that deal. Yeah. That's his deal. He is the one that determines. God never gave you that chip. The chips all belong to him. We can't get in the place of God and make that deal. The only thing that we can do is stand for every single little baby boy or girl. And those two little babies um, born without the brain stems in Brownsville, Texas, are as precious <coughs> in God's sight as the seven and a half billion people on this planet and we've got to begin to see things from his perspective so then what do we do god yeah i mean how how are you going to want us you want us to how are we going to overcome this if we don't have that bargaining chip and we don't god's just wondering trust in the lord with all your heart not trust your heart not trust your gut the the hollywood mantra is is follow your heart (laughs) not that It, it, it says trust in the lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Yeah. Our own understanding and reason is going to take us right down there if we are not governed and yeah. run there, through the There grid, is a way, Proverbs, I think, says two or three times, there is a way that seems right to a man, but, but the, the end of end that way is death. Leads to death. So, I mean, one of the things that we're looking at is, you know, as I look at the issue of abortion, I look at it from, from merely almost like a, a gospel preacher standpoint and uh, not really the legislative or the whatever, I was like, man, what's the, the end goal is the proclamation of the gospel and that the gospel takes root in a human heart. And that's ultimately abortion ends sort of de facto when the gospel takes root in a society. That's sort of where I come from. But when I hear, you know, people, and they make good arguments and I hear, you know, about, well, this, this legislation, heartbeat bills mm-hmm. or, uh, you know, 20-week bans or, or whatever, it's like these are going to say babies. I don't really push against that because I'm like, well, if it does, and praise God, I, I just don't, I don't know from a from a biblical standpoint, how do we and how should we take a stance against that sort of incrementalist mindset? What, what's the dangers of allowing that incrementalist mindset to continue without addressing it? And uh, and what are sort of what's the alternative then? Well, we have an alternative. When Jesus was tempted. What did he use? The devil did all sorts of reasoning with him. You're hungry? Turn these stones into bread. Yeah. You hadn't eaten in 40 days. Sure, that makes sense. I yeah, mean, yeah. you know, and, and it's right not going to... Yeah, th- these subtle compromises of a liar, you know, just if you really want to, you know, people to worship you, just show how strong you are. Jump off the pinnacle of the temple and 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 you know what? They'll, they'll all worship you if, if you are the Son of God. You, you, you hear the compromises. What was the one weapon that Jesus used? The Word of God. To stop him. Exactly. Yeah. It is written. <clears throat> Remember, back in Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, you see, did God really say? Yeah. And what, so, so what you're saying then is that when we're doing you know, our legislative kind of hurt, you know, making these different, uh, I don't say hurdles, but we're making these legislative moves and all of this stuff, is that ultimately 
we're compromising by saying, I mean, I've heard you say it before, when we make bills and we leave exceptions in those bills, we're basically saying this, this, and this, and then you can kill the baby. And then so you you're saying that doing that is not standing on the word of God, that it's compromising God's word and it's making a deal ultimately with, with, Surely, with the devil. Because yeah. every single one of those pieces of legislation, as well-intentioned as they yeah. are, um, and with dynamic Christians that are saying yes, they just haven't thought this out. Okay, but uh, but it, it's that caveat: seven words, and then you can kill the baby. So, parental consent. Will you, would you sign this piece of legislation as a Christian? Would God have you sign this piece of legislation that, um, uh, when a parent consents to the murder of their grandchild or you know yeah. if they consent to that or when or their child um then you can kill the baby yeah. if they have a consent is that true i mean that that's if they sort of the if mentality. the parents consent yeah is it true that they can kill the baby yeah, yeah so that's yeah. okay then well, it's, uh, it's, it's not okay, okay in God's sight, but in government sight. So why, all right, so signing that piece of But even of with that, I mean, there's like, uh, you know, you can get a young lady can get a waiver where she doesn't have to have consent. Absolutely, she so can do all of those yeah. things. But the, but the fact of the matter is that we spent a lot of time working to get parental consent and yeah. a lot of money in the pro-life industry begins to get involved. Yeah. The pro-life industry has got to show that it is it's accomplishing some, yeah, something yeah. so that we continue to get the funds coming in. Now, unfortunately, for a lot of pro-life ministries, what happens is the the modality that was birthed in, in sacrifice and, a, and, and filled with vision and mission to save babies becomes, after a while, just like churches, just like us as we walk in the yeah. Christian life, we become sodalities. You lose vision and mission and you get involved in I gotta support this beast. Yeah. I right. gotta and so yeah. I build like a Franken church or yeah. a Franken ministry yeah. where I gotta do this and we gotta do that because strategy has replaced truth. Yeah. And this is the devastating thing. We are moving God out of the equation and we're trying on our own. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Yeah. In all your ways acknowledge me. And I will make your path straight. God has made a promise. I will do it. Trust me in this. Our duty is not to compromise and strategize how to do this. Our duty is to love God first and love our neighbor as ourself. And our duty is to live out his word and allow the theology of heaven to become biography right in the streets. Yeah. In other words, to so let the word of God become flesh. Because how did Jesus save a wretch like me? He had to come down into this pit to rescue me. Yeah. There was nothing that I could do or no strategy that I could develop to make myself, to cover one of my sins. Only he could have done it. And yeah. he did it. And he's saying, now, as I have loved you, I want you to go out and love. I want you to love others. I want you to love the world as I have loved you so that they will see what love does. Love never sits idly by while little children are, are, are being killed. In six months, right here in the city of Charlotte, we got three abortion mills and Planned Parenthood that's waiting to do them but can't. Yeah. Thank God for the prayers of the saints that are stopping them from doing that. But in six months, this whole abortion holocaust in, 
in the city of Charlotte. Now, are we going to stop all abortions? Of course not. You don't stop all sin either. What we are what we are looking to do is to tell the truth so that the nation knows the truth about God, the truth about abortion, and that's our duty. We yeah. are the compass. We point true north. We don't ever compromise God's word. We stand on God's word. So as we allow that to become life every single day, like those folks out there right now that are they're pleading for the moms, they are living out the truth. They are doing it. They're compromising nothing. Yeah. Nothing. And they're laying their lives down. That's what they're doing out there. Yeah. If the church were to show up in mass, if we if we saw three-year-olds being taken in to an abortion mill, right? 3220 Latrobe Avenue, right down the street. If we saw three-year-olds taken in there, mama was taking them in. They, and, and mama said, look, I, I can't raise this child. I'm, I've got college. I've got so many things, and I'm not a good mom. And so I'm going to take him in. They're going to give him a little shot, put him to sleep. Nobody won't even know. And then another shot that will take him out because I'm a bad mother. Yeah. And I, I know it, and I admit it. What would we do if we saw that happening down there as a church? Yeah. We well, would, I mean, we'd it would be entirely mass, different. Yeah, yeah. We would be down there. Well, we've got three-month-old in the womb that are just as precious and fully human as that three-year-old child outside of the womb being taken in there. When you have eyes to see this, God says, love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah. What they've done to me what you've done to the least of these, my brethren, you have done it unto me. Yeah. In other words, we're nailing Jesus to the cross again. And if we in the church are going to sit back and say, well, I'm not called to that ministry. We've got other ministries. We take care of the homeless. They're all wonderful. We've got crisis pregnancy centers over here and over there to help moms. It's like building a hospital next to a concentration camp. Yeah. Come on. There are people in the concentration camp, and what they need is not someone to bring them healing right now. What they need is somebody to rescue them out of the concentration camp. Yeah. That's so... So understand the crisis pregnancy centers are wonderful, but you've got to have you can't have your front lines a crisis pregnancy center. Yeah, I mean any more than the Marines will send triage in first. Yeah, <laughs> you right, know, yeah. the Marines have got to go in first, and triage is back there to take care of the guys that get wounded going going in. So understand that when the church rises up and says, "See, because how we fight the battle is determined by what we perceive the battle to be." Yeah, and if they really are killed children there and we really believe that then what are we called to do we're called to empty ourselves and lay our lives down that that child might live precisely what they're doing out at the abortion mill yeah but there are others that have said well what i'm going to do is and and this is how i started you know we're going to write letters to our congressman yeah, well, sure. what, what good is that going to do for the little baby right. boy or girl that's going in today yeah, if today, the letter yeah. doesn't get there for three days in dc Plus the fact we're looking now to Washington, D.C. to take care of this problem. Washington, D.C. cannot, the gates of hell will always prevail against 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. I mean, a lot prevail of times the, the gates the of hell are at 1600 Pennsylvania <laughs> Avenue or the Congress or whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah. They, they can't fight. The only institution ordained by God to come against this enemy is the Church of the, the church, Living God. Yeah. And the problem is we don't know that. Yeah. We are not calling We've sort the people of, in one the sense, we sort of relegated our responsibility to the legislature and to the uh, and to you know, you know sixteen hundred Pennsylvania Avenue, and that's sort of one of when, when I look at incremental uh, <laughs> steps to ending abortion and and again I'm not always like staunchly opposed to those things probably to a fault myself it's just not my I don't know just put, I haven't put a lot of thought to it although I am recently 
doing so. But the biggest danger I see for the church is that when we pass, you know, a 20-week ban or, you know, the parental consent or even a heartbeat bill, that we think somehow that, okay, we've won the battle or if we won a battle. And to me, that's the biggest danger is that we can sit back and say, okay, we did our part. We voted. We had our people in place, you know, our politicians and whatnot, and we won a, va- a battle. And, you know, there's a lot of celebration when uh, these certain legislation is passed and the pro-life organizations and, uh, you know, even Christians are rejoicing and, and all of that. And to me, that's, that's the danger. You know who, we sit back you know who and, has won the battle when we sit back? The devil. Exactly. Yeah. He's won. Yeah. He, and he, he wins every day that we don't deal with this. When I said that the church could end this in Charlotte in six months, I, I, need, to, I need to just put a, put a statement in front of that, a statement that carries us through, that abortion will come to an end in America in the city of Charlotte when the church of Jesus Christ makes up her mind it will come to an end in yeah. one second sooner. You see, we have a God, and when we perceive this battle and see what it really is, when we see that they are actually living human beings that are going to be ripped apart, so don't tell me about your ministries all over here. There isn't another place that I know of or that you know of in the city of Charlotte where people are actually being killed and you know they're going to be yeah. killed than right here. That There's an immediacy here that these, these children need a voice. Yeah. If the church would come out in mass... It's over. We just come out and oh, what are you supposed to do when you come out? You do have church in the street. Yeah. So, so we're going to have what in November sixteenth? We're going to have four or five thousand people out here, maybe yeah. more. Yeah. Out in the street. How long do you think abortions could last? If if the, if every like single if we did that day, every day yeah. if we got every single day, we got the praying, singing church of Jesus Christ out here. All of a sudden, everything changes. The police can't arrest enough people. You know, yeah. they can't terrify them or they're going to have people in and then other Christians are going to come in they're going to catch and see what happens is if we'll unloose that on earth God promises that I will loose it from heaven yeah you know I'm you and so let's do it let's allow the theology of heaven let God win this victory we are God's answer to this the same thing happened with the issue of slavery it was just a different colored glove it was our black brothers and sisters and the Supreme Court in 1857 declared our black brothers and sisters not fully human. Yeah. Well, we tried to come up with all con- sorts of compromises, the three-fifths law. Well, we'll make them three-fifths of a person. Right, that yeah. was to appease the South, to keep them uh, still a part of the Union so you could count the slaves as three-fifths of a vote. Right. And so you, all of these political compromises, Henry Clay, the great compromiser, couldn't fix this because the issue was never political. It, it had its manifestation there, but at the very heart of it, it was a battle over who is Lord and whose laws reign. Yeah. If God is Lord, our black brothers and sisters are fully human, not three-fifths. Yeah. So stop doing that. Stop compromising, compromising God's yeah. work. They're five-fifths of a person. Yeah. <laughs> 100%. And, 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 you know, Lincoln, when he became president, had no intention of ending slavery. At all, when he became president. Now, after two years of the presidency and the South seceding, then it became apparent there was going to be a war. Yeah. And there was a war. And 600,000-plus men died in the Civil War. 600,000. That's more than have died in all the wars since then. And Abraham Lincoln finally realized that God was dealing with the sin 
of slavery. Yeah. And and how did he come to that realization? Well, we had abolitionists. That's where you yeah, first yeah. get abolitionists. But some of the abolitionists were absolutely insane, John yeah. Brown being one. Yeah, I want you to talk about that because you said something. We were talking about this yesterday, and it was like, you know, it was, it was profound to me, or at least, I don't know, it was like, man, people need to hear this. When we talked about, because we talked about abolitionists, you know, the, the modern uh, abortion abolitionist movement and the pro-life movement and these different terms that we use, immediatist, incrementalist, abolitionist, and uh, pro-life and whatever, which terms should we apply to ourselves? And you said something, I'm like, man, people need to hear this, that we don't come out here and do what we do as abolitionists. We don't do what we do in speaking up for these babies as pro-lifers. We do what we do as Christians. We are here because not we're, we're, you know, part of some group or this or that. And, you know, God uses groups and, and all of that. But I'm saying primarily we come out here because we are Christians, because we are called to love our neighbor as ourselves. We don't compromise uh, because we're Christians. We stand on God's truth because we're Christians. And it's to that same point. Of the gates of hell do not prevail against the church of Jesus Christ. Jesus didn't come and say, you know, on this rock I will build my pro-life movement, or I'll build my <laughs> abolitionist uh, you know, movement, or I'll build my you know, immediate, immediatist uh, movement or incrementalist movement. No, I will build my church. And that, that point there, and if you can just kind of expound on that point a little bit, as far as the church of Jesus Christ you already have, being the entity that God has called, and us operating with that as our modus operandum, right? Our mode of operation is we are the church. Talk a little bit about that and kind of share with folks um, your heart on that. Well, I think you just said that perfectly. Okay. I, I love to hear it. You ought to write a book about I it. I should write a book about yeah, it. Yeah, no, I mean, it's a, except I am not an abolitionist, and, and it wasn't abolitionism that overcame this whole issue of slavery. See, if we could just remember history— which unfortunately we're in a spiritual yeah. Alzheimer's here. And boy, when you start forgetting your history, well, Alzheimer's, have you ever dealt with people with yeah, Alzheimer's? Yeah, my grandma they just died from lose. Alzheimer's, yeah. Okay, well, they lose who they are. Yeah. They lose all point and purpose. That's where America is. We're in a spiritual Alzheimer's. We've forgotten who we are, why we're here, where we're going, and who we represent. We've forgotten all about what made America great in the first place. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we want to make it great again, but how? Right. You, you, you can't abandon God and leave him back there and expect him to bless America. You can't be killing over 60 million of his children and saying, God bless America. Yeah. What He's saying, repent America. If my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways then i will hear from heaven and i will forgive their sin and i will heal their land i believe that all the way through the bible i see it old testament new testament when do we win everywhere in the bible at all times it's not the beginning of the book and the end of the book we win we win all the way through and you see the victories all the way through they're small victories but they're victories nevertheless they're small victories in my life but they're victories nevertheless they're small victories out there in the streets when people show up in the name of jesus to bring that what that does we have the keys all authority in heaven and earth has been given me jesus said to his disciples Therefore, go therefore go, make yeah. disciples of all nations pantata ethne all nations you make disciples of all nations teaching them to obey all that i've commanded you 
and lo, I will be with you to the end of the age. That's who we need. This is who's going to win the victory, and it's going to happen every single day in small victories every single day. But when you just look up in the political realm, that's the, where the clean pro-lifers are. Mm -hmm. They're clean. Yeah, I mean, it's a clean business, yeah, yeah, and, and, sure. you, and you do well, and you get into green rooms, and you get invited to speak. If you're up in Washington, D.C., you'll get in, invited to speak and all those talk shows. But the dirty pro-lifers, you see, we serve a dirty Savior. Yeah. He came down here. He came down to the cesspool, the mud, the blood, the beer, the, the grit, the filth, the bilge of my life. He did. He had to get into this cesspool to pull me out because there was no way out for me. He could have put a ladder down there and said, climb out. Uh, but there was no ladder that it was going to get yeah. me out of there. I was I. He had to come, and he sinks into that to get me up. That's the Savior that I serve. He was wounded for my transgressions, bruised for my iniquities. The chastisement of my peace is upon him, and with his stripes I am healed. Yeah. That's him. He's So this Savior is that. When we go out to the streets... Do you think, do you hear people vilifying the people up in Washington, D.C., coming up with all of these wonderful um, uh, pro-life um, bills and things like that? No, it's all clean. Yeah. I, 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 well, pretty well, I mean, much. It's, it's, They're it's, not going to be able to stay clean for long. <laughs> because the, the, the devil, the same devil that's coming after us right now, you know, that puts us in jail, that gives us citations all the time, that files lawsuits against us, that builds walls <laughs> as <laughs> they can to keep us from giving moms a real choice. That, see, that's the dirty stuff. And we get pushed into a corner. We, who are living out the gospel of Christ, get pushed into this corner of wild-eyed fanatics when they don't understand that this is what our Lord did for us. And yeah. he was called every name that you could possibly imagine. As a matter of fact, even the religious Pharisees who knew the Bible inside and out, they hated him. Even the Herodians and the, the Sadducees, the Pharisees, they all came together. Yeah. And they hated yeah. each other, Jesus but they sorta, all came together. I know you preached the message one time, Jesus unites his enemies and divides his friends. Separates like, his friends <laughs> yeah. every single time. And he will separate his friends. And by the way, a lot of the people that were walking with you at one time, saying love and Daniel, mm -hmm. you say, yeah, I think you, I think the cheese has done slid off the cracker. <laughs> yeah. You're being out there alert. screaming at all those people out there. You're not doing any good as a matter of fact you're harming the pro-life movement right, and, yeah. and, and 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 let me tell you you're not harming the pro-life movement and the folks that are out here these are small victories it's a thankless job the church this doesn't benefit the church in any way it doesn't get you members as a matter of fact it'll get people to not want to come to your church if that's the way you're going to act out there in the streets it's just the way it is so we have to despise the shame like our savior jesus did and endure the cross as yeah. he did. And our cross today, we got to deny ourselves. My flesh doesn't want to be out here all the time listening to this stuff and then getting chastised by the church. Yeah. When, I, when I come back, you know, I, I come back to church and it's like I've got my tail between my legs because <laughs> yeah. it just doesn't. Oh, you know, the other day I was, I was riding down the road. I was actually riding to the, the abortion mail here on the trobe and I was at a stoplight and I was just thinking about, you know, some false accusations the police have brought against us, the city council, they paint us as these, mm. these radical, you know, you know right-wing whatever, and even some well-meaning Christians that have some criticisms of what we do, which, you know, I don't, I don't shirk criticism, but if it's not found in the Word, I don't want to hear it, you know? Um, and I was like, I was just praying. I was like, Lord, you know what? I'm tired of getting falsely accused. And this is like almost as clear as I've, I've, I've heard the Lord speak to my heart. 
It's like the Holy Spirit spoke and said, yeah, I know what you mean. And I was like, you know what, Lord? You're, yeah, you're, 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 you're right. You're right. You kind of did get falsely accused, yeah. didn't you? So I'm yeah. like, sorry, Lord, give me grace, and I'll bear under this. But yes. But that's the way he did it. Yeah. And, and, and he died, and it appeared to the world that he was losing. It probably appeared to, yeah. devil, to the devil that he would, I finally, I've got him. I've shut him up. But what he didn't understand. And what the angels in heaven didn't even know how God was going to operate, that now as soon as he died and he ascended into heaven and that Holy Spirit came down, now he had Jesus everywhere, right inside of their hearts, just... And that's where revival comes from. So what what do we need to do? Where, where are we at right now? And, and the fact of the matter is we're at a point where we've got to say, well, let's just remember history and go back. Do you know when Dred Scott decision, 1857, that we just talked about, mm-hmm. that, that called our black brothers and sisters property in the slave owners, do you know when that was overturned? I do not know. It never was. Okay. By the Supreme Court. Now, we have the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendments that took care of that, but there had to be a bloody civil war that was fought, and it was the church rising up. It was the church that came with almost a hundred yard long scroll of pastors saying, Mr. President, you must sign this Emancipation Proclamation, okay. declaring our black brothers and sisters fully human. Yeah, that, that, that this nation has to take that stand. As soon as that thing was signed, now it, it was initially signed, but not ratified. It was initially signed in September of 1862, but it was officially signed on uh, January 1st, 1863, it was at that point that the whole, the whole battle turned mm-hmm. and, and the, the Union forces, because God had given the South all the best generals. Okay. They could outgeneral any of the generals in the North. But the North had all of the resources and supplies. When that thing was signed, that's a national repentance of the kill, of of the bondage of, that we were dealing with the sin of slavery. Yeah. After that was signed, we began to win. The North began to win the battles, and the and the fight, the fight, the 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 battle was won. Yeah. With, with but Abraham Lincoln in his second inaugural address, which is written in the halls of the Lincoln Memorial, that second he said that it is, and, and Lincoln finally came to this realization that it was the sin of slavery, that that every uh, drop of blood that was shed by the sla- um, by the uh, whip of the master would be required of us on the battlefields um, because of the sin of slavery. And now God began to bring healing to this nation. Yeah. He, he forgave our sin, but we had to confess that that was a sin. Yeah. We had to confess it. We, and it. And it happened not in the halls of Congress or in the no. Senate or in the Supreme Court or in uh, 1600 the, Pennsylvania Avenue. It, it happened a, in the Church of Jesus Christ. It did. And, it, and, and, is, and it, is it like, you know, the Scripture says, judgment begins at the house of the Lord. And then you sort of can tie that together. Paul says in, uh, I believe it's 1 Corinthians chapter 10 or 11, where he says, unless you judge yourself, you'll be judged of God. So it's like the church judged itself, repented, 
Second um, Chronicles seven fourteen, and then the healing came and, and led the nation in repentance. In yeah. other words, it's got to begin in the house of God. So where's the house of God right now? Well, we got lights, we got, we got sound, smoke and fog got, and all we got, that. We got it all. We got it all. And still, there are three freestanding abortion mills in the city killing children. Yeah, we're growing our churches, but we know. That this is happening, and God is saying, where are you? You see, tolerance sits back and does nothing. Love gets involved and does something. Yeah. Love can't sit back. You yeah. don't tolerate something that's wrong that's going on. So biblical love maybe looks a lot different than this world. The, the, the stuff that we talk about in this world is the L-U-V. Yeah, it's yeah. not the real stuff. It's just the sugar. We're the salt of the earth, and we have been stuck in this salt shaker, and we're enjoying the fellowship in there, the holy yeah. huddles that we have, but we're not out here in the streets, and that's because we're comfortable. Yeah. We are, and we're comfortable, and we're really comfortable with blaming the Republicans for doing right, nothing. Yeah. Yeah. We're really comfortable with blaming <laughs> Trump or blaming anybody else in the world. And, the and so we're good. Yeah, I mean, we're doing what we can. So, so what you see is you see the, the, the single entity most responsible for the abortion holocaust in this land is not Planned Parenthood or Margaret Sanger. It's not the ACLU. It's not NAF, the National Abortion Federation. It isn't any of those things. It's not our sorry public education. It isn't any of those things. The one most responsible for what is happening in America today, in the city of Charlotte today, is the is the one who really thinks it's doing the most to solve the problem, Yeah. which is the Church of Jesus Christ. Well, we are pathetic in God's <laughs> sight. We aren't out there. If, if the church had a call and said, look, if you don't come out to these abortion mills, I'm going to take every uh, public or every uh, private education stuff, I'm going to take all of your goodies away from you, all your buildings, everything, your smoke machines, your everything is going, your, your book deals, everything is out. Do you think the church might show up at I these think, places I and say, maybe. now either take care of this or it's all gone? Yeah. Well, let me just tell you, that's it. We love our stuff and we don't know it. We can see everybody else that's at fault except ourselves. So we are not on the verge of repentance. And if there's not going to be repentance, then there is, I don't care what kind of strategy you have. God has one strategy. It's repentance. Stand on my word. Uh, well, how am I going to do this? Don't worry about your strategy. I'll take care of that. Don't lean on your own understanding. I'll take care of everything. You just trust me. You go out and live, and you love your neighbors yourself. Try and imagine your own son or daughter there, and it was going to be taken away to death. Begin to live like that. And what that will do is it will, when repentance begins in the church, it begins to move all over everything. And then ultimately you will see laws change, but it's from the inside out is from the bottom up and not from the top down we're up at the top you know we got the president so fix it yeah right. that ain't gonna work you can't yeah. do it yeah yeah that's a good word well and just in wrapping this thing up because uh, we've gone almost 45 minutes mm -hmm. and i think uh you know we've touched on a lot you know i want to encourage folks to uh you know you can come certainly come and volunteer with us uh cities for life if you're in charlotte but if you're you know around the country and you're stirred to action because, listen, there are like, what, 700 abortion mills across this country. Thankfully, the number has, has declined for various reasons. But, 
Uh, and the main reason is that people are showing up to those abortion yeah. mills and seeing babies saved. If you're burdened to do that, we have a website, um, um, sidewalksforlife.com, sidewalks and number four, where we're focusing on how to bring the gospel to the abortion clinic. Because one of the traps is, is one of the reasons why we started this podcast. And this is, you know, as, as, as Christians that love Jesus, one of the traps we'll fall into is compromising the word of God to be more effective, letting strategy overtake truth. And, uh, and so, one of our heart, kind of our focus with this podcast is to infiltrate the pro-life movement yeah. with the necessity of the gospel. And that's what that website, Sidewalks for Life, talks about, how to bring the gospel. Yeah, I mean, we, we medical facts. Medical facts are on our side. Science is on our side. You know, resources and stuff, we bring that kind of thing. You know, the ultrasound, the power of ultrasound is, 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 is great. But it does not match the power of the gospel. Mm-hmm. We have to bring the gospel to the abortion clinics. We have to bring the gospel to the to the legislators too, and and hold these legislators accountable. That the reason why we're opposed to abortion is not just because it's bad for women or it's bad for society. It's because God's word says that it's murder, and that we as a people cannot stand by while murder takes place and do nothing, and that legislators can't stand by and do mm-hmm. nothing. Um, so I want to encourage you guys with that. I want to encourage you guys to share this podcast. And just give us some feedback. If you have ideas for future podcasts, I'd like to have Flip back on and talk a little bit about um, sort of the history of the pro-life movement at some point, because he's been involved for 30-plus years, longer than some of you have been alive, almost longer than I've been <laughs> alive. He's got, he's got some wisdom that I think he can, uh, he can really share, and he has shared today, so I appreciate you coming and sharing. I uh, appreciate all those who listen, and uh, I hope that you're blessed by this podcast. God bless. Use me, Lord.